Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the RBC Heritage 2020. This is a great show. We're coming off a big hit with Daniel Berger winning at 70-1 to this past week at Colonial. Me and Pat are going to recap Colonial, what we learned, what we think is going to carry over this week for the Heritage. Uh, we're going to break down the golf course, the key stats, the strategy to playing well here. Got a little bit of disagreement here uh, for the DraftKings picks, the sportsbook picks, but it's a great show. We have a lot of fun. And then at the end, the Chunk and Run segment, we have designed a golf course. We've named it. We've talked about iconic elements that we would include in that golf course. It's pretty funny. And then we also design our own mixed drink, what would we what we would include in that mixed drink, and who we would name it after on the PGA Tour. That's also pretty entertaining. Thanks for listening. Give it a five-star review if you don't mind. We'd appreciate it. It helps us out a lot in Apple, uh, iTunes, podcasts, world, whatever. Go leave us a, five, a five-star review, even if you've done one in the past. If you haven't done it in the last few months, Update it. It helps us out a lot. May your screens be green and enjoy the show. What's going on, golf addicts? After further technical difficulties with this daggum YouTube live stream, we are now here, and uh, it just it just is what it is. David Barnett are here. We? Yeah, we're are we here. sure we're here? Okay, yep. good. Yep, All we're right. we are here. We are here. We are here. Um, but you know what? Hey, it's going to be a good night, RBC Heritage, uh, and we are coming off. A great week at Colonial where the PGA Tour is back. Um, I am in a beach house in Charleston, in Isle of Palms, South Carolina, vacationing with the family. This is the first time since I've, you know, we come here every year. It's the first time since I've, uh, I've done this trip with my family that I have actually done the TJ show. Because normally I don't. Uh, but, you know, I had to be, we, we, I had to do this tonight because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a second event back I mean, in like, you know, forever. So we're, we're here and we're coming off another Millie maker, got another Millie maker. And we're coming off another big week for DB's big balls betting card, baby. As Daniel Berger brought it home at 70 to one, he was written up in the betting card. I gave you six names in the betting card, six names, $50. Here's how I would bet with $50. And one of those names was Daniel Berger at 70 to one. It was a crazy finish with, you know, just more junior prom lip outs than, than you could possibly imagine. Um, but you know, with, with first Xander and then Morikawa on the playoff hole. Wow. Um, so, you know, definitely Berger earned it. But uh, a lot of people had a chance. It was fun to watch. It was so good to have some live golf back on. Right, Pat? Yeah, it was It was just great. I mean, and then the leaderboard, I mean, we had a ton of guys that got in contention. You know, you had JT up there. You had, you know, Patrick Reed made, making kind of a late run. You had Bryson DeChambeau, your favorite. Oh, by oh, the way, yeah. guess who won the bet last week? Yeah. <laughs> Yours truly. That's two yeah. in a row. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you may want to tell the listeners what you got to do so they can be looking forward to that if they haven't yeah, missed so last if, week's show. 
if you missed it last week, um, I am, uh, I've lost yet another bet, just another side bet to Pat uh, involving Bryson Shambo last week, who definitely could have won that golf tournament. Um, but, uh, yep, lost that bet. That, that really sucks. So I'm going to have to do an impersonation of Bryson video. And I've already got some things in the works about what I'm, what I'm looking to do. And, uh, yeah, I don't know when that'll come out. You know, I'll, I'm a man that always pays my bets. And unlike Pat, whenever I have to do something like this, I do them quickly. And Pat will not have to, like, you know, hammer me to keep, you know, to do it. Like, if Pat would have lost this bet, it, he, it would have taken him six months to do this because I, I would have had to keep reminding him. But I'm going to do it quickly, and I'm going to do it justice. I'm going to do a Bryson DeChambeau impersonation video, probably on our, our Twitter page, our YouTube, possibly Instagram, what have you. I lost the bet. Is what it is. Bryson. I mean, you know, speaking of justice, I mean, it, it is literally pretty much poetic justice for you to lose this bet because you hate Bryson so much that you could probably do the best version of, you know, an impersonation of Bryson than, than maybe anyone. I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. But, uh, well, I mean, you know, I said it to a couple, you know, sharp, astute listeners last week that uh, DM'd us after, you know, DB is the master bet negotiator. You know what I mean? So, like, last week's bet was a win win for me. I can't stand Bryson. I will gladly make fun of him, even if I have to embarrass myself a little bit to continue to make fun of him, I will do that. So losing the bet last week was a win. And had I won the bet and you had to do it, that would have, all, that, that would have also been a win. I, I do think that yeah, would have been was, a greater win for me. I, I, I would have rather seen well, yeah, you do it. Yeah. But either way, it is a win-win. Uh, and Bryson, man, I mean, you know, we typically don't spend a lot of time recapping the week before on, on a show. But given it's the first event back, it was, it was an amazing week. I think we have to sit here for a second. I mean, Bryson – clearly is different and is playing different. And he's got a lot of people, I, I bet, on the PJ Tour going, damn. Um, yeah. We got we got a text early on Thursday. Was, from, yeah, I was just about to mention that. Yeah, from Aaron Fleener, uh, caddy for JT Post, and he was on the range and basically saying, boys, I'm watching Bryson hit balls before he tees off. And let me just say, it is impressive. He said it, it literally – is straight up in the air and then you lose it. You can't even find the ball. You can't find the golf ball. So, which he did, you know, he carried all the trees. He, you know, he definitely did his thing. I mean, he, he's, he's, it's going to be interesting to see when, when we get on a golf course, a standard PGA Tour course that is better fitting for the long ball that doesn't require some of the, you know, him to cut the, the corners or, you know, be precise with a carry distance and make sure he doesn't run out on the other side. Like we get to one of those wide open tracks, man. I mean, hitting the ball 350 is kind of an advantage. Well, and the thing was, was really how accurate he was doing it with his, his swing yeah. speed that, I mean, it looked just abnormal, but he was still like hitting fairways and he was taking lines that, you know, and we kind of, I kind of came to this conclusion later in the week last week that, I had it, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe these bombers are going to actually just, you know, bomb and gouge this course and take different lines. And they were, that's what he was doing. Um, you know, you did see your, your ball strikers like Morikawa and things like that, you know, come into play. But, you know, with a strong field like that, it did change the game a little bit at Colonial. Not like you typically see week in and week out. 
brings us to the Heritage this week, I think you're going to see a little bit of the same. We got a stronger field, got more bombers in this field, maybe a little bit less experience, but I think it's going to change the game a little bit on how you play the Heritage. We'll see, um, but it's it's going to be a good week. But yeah, last week was incredible. Uh, great to have golf back. It was a little bit weird without the fans, but not as weird as I thought it would be. Yeah, like, it, really it wasn't was. like I. Yeah, I thought it would, you know, just totally change the viewing experience, and it really didn't. And so that actually kind of made me a little bit sad. <laughs> I was, like, hoping that, you know, I was hoping that the, the fans would make a little bit of a, a better, a, a bigger difference. And I think it will when they come back. I mean, we always appreciate the fans being there. But it didn't affect the players at all. They didn't really get at, at the same time, you didn't have to deal with all the BS mashed potatoes guys. You yes, didn't have to deal yeah. with this. I do think it sped up play a little bit, um, which was nice. And, you know, I, at least, you know, I watched all the golf Thursday and Friday. I didn't get to watch much of it on Saturday as I was traveling. But on Sunday, I mean, I saw a lot of shots that would have been jail or, or, or would not have been jail had there been grandstands up. You know, a lot of people talked about that leading up to the tournament. And even a lot of players, I think I saw some players on Twitter kind of get chirpy about, oh, it's no big deal. Well, I think it kind of was a deal. Like Gary Woodland hit a weird shot on Sunday in there. Bryson hit one that kind of got, uh, you know, went further than it would have, uh, you know, had there been some sort of hospitality there. I know Spieth hit a couple that were like that too. I think that was very interesting to see. I mean, it was interesting to see them truly get penalized for the wayward shot. Speaking of speed, um, you know, here's the deal. The Chalk Bomb email, our weekly email that you need to be subscribed to, you know, is actually has a tremendous record for 2020. Last yes, week was the it really worst has been week. great. It's been impeccable. Yes. Yeah. Last week was the worst week we've had in 2020. Um, with Jordan doing what he did. Um, but, you know, I knew, I knew that our buddy Ben, who writes the Chalk Bomb portion, I knew he would be, uh, I knew he'd be real, real, uh, real grumpy about it, you know. So I was like, hey, Ben, you know, tell me what stat you would like me to drop in the podcast tonight uh, about Speed's colonial performance to make everyone feel better. And this is what Ben texts. He says, well, he led the field in putting, and it wasn't even close. And as we all know, putting is the, you know, the most variable – statistic there is right it's the uh, it's the one that can come and go with anyone granted we said on the podcast last week that speed's putting and chipping had already come back right like even yeah. before the break you could see that the putting and chipping had come back and he's always been a player who made up a lot of ground putting and chipping it was just that his iron play and his driver play before the break was so egregious that he he couldn't overcome it with even exceptional around the green and putting uh skill so Ben says, between Saturday and Sunday round, he lost 3.3 strokes on approach and 1.2 off the tee on Saturday and Sunday. So he did have a tremendous Thursday, Friday. He got several lucky bounces. This is where I love Ben. He got several lucky bounces or kicks uh, for that not to be worse was great. He duck hooked a drive on Saturday that was going 40 yards OB, hit, uh, hit the one tree in the way, and it kicked straight down. <laughs> He's just so salty. <laughs> he's so salty about it but i love yes, it. listen the chalk bomb is a bold call for a reason they're chalk for a reason and we talked about it on the show like there was a there was a real chance speed came back better and he did look better he did look better um but uh yeah i think all in all you know you look back on dfs especially and you think through the process and i think considering the process 
you had the sharp play was to be off of speed come Thursday morning or Wednesday night when ownership projections came out because he did end up being like around 15 to 20% owned in a lot of more public contests with that and all the volatility before the break and all the unknown, the sharp play was probably to fade Spieth seven, eight times out of 10. Um, Obviously, that that you know it it uh, it didn't pay off to do that, but that's just one decision of the many that you had to make last week. But also in the chalk bomb, your boy DB gave you that seventy to one D burger. So now we are up sixty five units, sixty five units in twenty twenty. If you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing. Go to tourjunkies.com, bottom right hand of any page. You can type in your email address and subscribe. Any thoughts on speeds before we before we button that one up? Yeah, I mean, I missed him too. I wrote him up as my fade in the Fantasy Golf Sommelier article, which was kind of a hit or miss. I had Woodland in there as sort of my, you know, the pop the court play of the week. So that's the guy that I've come on to late, later in the week. Uh, he was, uh, he hit there. I had answer in there as well. Um, Webb was, Webb was a big one for a lot of people though. Webb just yep. kind of sucked. And you know what? We'll see. I think there's a good chance Webb could come back this week and uh, prove a lot of people. You know, there are going to be a lot of people that maybe jump off of him, but we'll see. But I know, I know a lot. Of Webb killed a lot of lineups this week. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, I think also. By the way, I was checking my notes before the show, and I was looking at uh, you know we do the DraftKings After Dark show where we're going to talk picks, disagreements, that kind of stuff. But then also DK Sportsbook and some bets. I. I had Berger written down at 70 to one. So I, don't, I haven't gone back and rechecked the tape. Cause you know what? We're kind of a little bit tipsy when we do that show, but <laughs> we may have, we may have mentioned him in that show too. I, I'll say we, he was written down, but I don't. Yeah. We need to go back and check, but the you got to check that. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, but, but we said last week that this was, and everybody said this, right. That last week was going to be a highly volatile week coming off of, 90 days with no golf tournament. You didn't know what was going to happen. And, and we were going to see big names uh, uh, fail, and, which is, you know, a lot of people, not just us, on Twitter and, and things like that were saying, you know, hey, this is a week where you could literally fade anyone as chalk. Like, no, no one is, uh, is impenetrable, like, because you just don't know. So you had names like Webb, who was the most popular player in the, in the Millie Maker, I think. John Rahm, uh, you know, missed the cut. I mean, even what happened to Rory on Sunday was kind of was kind of wild. There's gonna be volatility. Really There's gonna be volatility until these guys get right back into it. And, and one of the things that we talked about before the Colonial episode was thinking through this week and saying, okay, now what you got to understand is you can't overreact to the one week, right? So the, the 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 public wants to overreact to a web miscut, to a ROM miscut, to oh my God, Jordan's back, to oh I got to have all the Daniel Berger, to you know there there could be all these overreactions and some of them may pay off, but recency bias is a real thing uh, when it comes to DFS and it even shows up in the in the sports books right. So you're going to see sports book prices reflect that. You know, I mean, I, I'm looking at uh, I'm, I'm looking at you know Ricky Fowler's number right now. It's like sixty to one. And that, that's a big number um, based off of just seeing him, seeing him miss a cut uh, last week at Colonial. That's a big number for, for a guy like Ricky Fowler, even though I know he doesn't win a ton, but he's got a lot more win equity than people in front of him. You're going to see Webb's number be a little longer. You're going to see uh, – you're just going to see some interesting things because of the recency bias, and you have to just take a chill pill and realize 
It was just one week, right? And a lot of guys were shaking the rust off. It is what it is. We had somebody tell us literally on Tuesday night, someone on site talked to Bubba firsthand, and Bubba Watson told them, I literally st- – I handed my clubs to the, to the locker room attendant just a minute ago, and all of them still had loads of dust on them. That, that they were so – I haven't touched a club since Sawgrass. All the clubs dusty as they could be. And Bubba finishes like top ten. You know, there's a ton of volatility. I mean, even Bryson mentioned in, in interviews – um, that he he hadn't even walked 18 holes during the whole. Well, you can tell he's got freaking Dunlop disease. His belly's Dunlopped over his belt. <laughs> I know, but he did didn't bother him. <laughs> it didn't seem like <laughs> at all. But I mean, so you just don't know. I mean, these guys, um, yeah. but they're no, professionals, and you know. So I think you're right. I think you make a great point. You really can't read a ton into last week. Now, I, I d- at least we do get to see a little bit of form from these guys. So that's that's something that you can take into account but you know I don't think yeah. you know I think it really applies a, a lot more to these guys like a Webb or a John Rahm or somebody like that a DJ maybe that didn't play as well last week I think if there's going to be a lot of people that just want to hop off of them all of a sudden and you just can't really you just got to stick to your process and then and then kind of go from there so yeah, yeah. well you know speaking of last week we really want to thank everybody that supported the video that we put out with Scratch TV over on their YouTube channel, uh, the, the Daily Fantasy 101 cash contest video that we put out with Scratch TV. It's like a four-minute video, four-and-a-half-minute video. If you haven't watched it, please go watch it on Scratch TV's YouTube channel. Like it, comment, share it, make us look good. Tell them how, t- tell them how amazing the video was, even if you think it sucks. Uh, it was a big deal for us, big partnership for us with Scratch. We've got more content coming with Scratch for the weekend. So be on the lookout for this weekend. We've got a cool Father's Day video heading your way with Scratch TV. Be sure and share that one with us as well. For that, uh, Share that for us. Like it, comment, all that kind of stuff. We need the TJ faithful uh, to let Scratch know that, uh, you know, that, there's, that there's people that like seeing what we're putting out. You know, there's definitely some people that don't. But we need, them to, we need them to know that there's some people that do like what we put out. So uh, check that out. Um, and get in that nut hut, baby. That nut hut hitter. Get in that nut hut. The nut yeah. hut was popping. I feel like it is just – that is where the best information comes out on Wednesday. And, you know, it's like it, – it's almost like I wish I could take some of my, my picks and my thoughts from Wednesday in the nut hut and be able to have a – move them – you know, back in time to to not to to Monday because you know as the week goes on, it's just how it is. You start to learn more things about different players. You you're 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 seeing different yeah. things, and so you got different thoughts. And but you can only see that on Wednesday. You can't see that right now when we just yeah. had pricing come out, and we don't even know. You know, so it's I think the nut hut is definitely where it's at when you're getting just some last minute lineup lock information. You know, just the guys that you're you're struggling with. The under 7K guys that you might want to play, that kind yeah. of stuff. That's where it really starts to come together. Which I, I believe Nut Hut Wednesday night. We, uh, I, I know I did. I threw out a lot of Bud Cauley, Matt Naismith uh, as some value plays in the Nut Hut. Um, so th- there's a ton that goes on there. And it's honestly, it's not just about me and Ben and Pat being in there. We got some sharp, some sharp Nut Hut subscribers that are in there giving each other advice and bouncing some things off each other and sharing ideas and processes and theories with each other for DFS for betting. Uh, it's ten dollars a month. It's the easiest ten dollars a month you could ever you could ever spend. 
it gives you 20% off of any purchase for the lifetime of your membership in the Tour Junkies store. Uh, you can request a cameo video from me and Pat. We'll send that to you. You're going to get first access to certain events, to things that we're going to be putting on here later in the year when events come back. Uh, there's all kind of benefits for the Nut Hut. Go check out tourjunkies.com. Sign up for that if you've not already. The Nut Hut was popping, and I was so glad to get it back up and running Wednesday night. It was a lot of fun. It was hard to keep up with. I know, I know you, uh, you, you caught the brunt of that. It's really hard to keep up with. We're, we're going to try – we're going to try and see if we can work in a video element where we can respond through video only on that page. We're, we're going to, we got to figure that out, but we'll see. Uh, but a lot of you in there. And so it, it was, it's a lot of fun and we appreciate everybody supporting it. Um, with that, Pat, are you ready to talk about, uh, about Harbor town? Yeah. Let's talk about Harbor town. Let's talk through some key stats, Let's talk through some strategy, some approach to the week from a betting and gambling standpoint. We've already kind of hit on recency bias. I think that's a big thing. Uh, and then we'll get into some picks. But uh, why don't you hit us with the course breakdown, Pat? Actually, what's the podcast use right now? Like, what you got? Uh, well, I switched from the beer. I'm back to the Tito's. So okay, yeah. Little Tito's mixer. Tito's for week. me. We did this video with, with Scratch a couple hours ago, and I, we had to drink wine during it. And I got, I got wine tipsy. I don't usually drink wine. Yeah. So I got, like, wine tipsy at, like, 3 o'clock. I, I had to slow down. Yeah, well. But I'm back yeah. now. That's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so this week we are at Harbortown Golf Links. Just a great old classic course. Just under 7,100 yards. It's a par 71. We got an expanded field this week, actually. It's at 100 – well, it's, it's 155 players, but they're at 153 right now. They've had a couple back out, but they're not filling those slots. Long story short. Anyway, Bermuda grass, tee to green. You got very narrow fairways out here, tight, you know, tree-lined holes. You might recognize a little bit of a theme here, kind of like last week at Colonial. This is a very similar course, at least off the tee. Um, so, again, it's, it's one of those courses where you typically can't just overpower it. Uh, you got to be somewhat accurate off the tee. You can miss it a little bit, but the trees literally, I mean, they are right off the fairway. So if you miss by a little bit, you could be in some tree troubles out here. But it's all about the angles, and it's a second-shot golf course, just like we had last week with Colonial. I like strokes gain approach. I think that's a huge stat this week. Um, I do think experience is, is pretty key out here. I, I don't think you're going to see a first-time winner on this course, even though we got a lot of guys that might be playing this for the first time. But I got think a lot of first-time winners, little, though, you know? Yeah, but, well. It's presented a lot do. of first-time winners. Yeah, but I just don't – I know. I think this thing – this course takes some experience, especially into these greens and knowing where to hit it off the tee and that kind of stuff because – Again, oh, you, mean, you, you, mean experience at, you mean experience at Harbortown? Yeah. Okay, you said first time. And actually, this field, did you hear this? This is a crazy stat to me. That of the 150-something here, 114 players have won on the PGA Tour in this field. Have you heard that? Did you hear that How stat? many? 114 players in this field have logged a, a victory on the PGA Tour. Okay. That's a lot. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, odds that are a first-time winner is not going to win here. This time. But anyway, well, yeah, but anyway. So, again, this is a it's – a, it's a course. It's, like I said, a second-shot course. I don't think scrambling plays as much into this course as you saw last week at Colonial. If you look – if you watch the Colonial, I mean, there were some deep drop-offs and slopes off of these greens. 
you know, there, but not here. It's, you don't really see that a whole lot. So I'm not as, as looking at scrambling as much, even though they're pretty small greens. I'm looking more at greens and regulations, strokes gained approach, that kind of stuff. Um, I do think you made that great point last week about course history being not as much of a factor at Colonial because of the way the field was and how strong it, it is. I think you can look at that again this week, um, but I will, I'll look at uh, some course history. Um, but overall for me, stats, I do think I'm putting a little bit of emphasis on driving accuracy, ball striking. I mentioned the approach. Um, we'll see. I mean, these players, it's, it's just like last week. It's just so hard to tell when you got, you know, six of what the top 10 players in the world playing here that don't normally play on this course. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I'm excited for this, this course to, to, to get these studs out there because we usually don't see it. You got guys like, you know, because it, it's always right after the Masters. This, if, if you don't remember, this tournament is literally the week after the Masters. So a lot of people skip it and the weather's going to be a little bit different coming here in June as opposed to April where it's a little bit cooler. So it's going to be warmer ball might be traveling a little bit further. So They've already said there's no, uh, there's no overseed anymore right now, so it's pure yep. Bermuda. Yep, and right now the weather looks pretty good, though, so I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. It's going to be in, like, the high 80s with not, not much wind right now, but we'll see what that looks like. But uh, as far as past champions, you had C.T. Pan last year. Um, Kadira, I can't even remember what his first name was. Soshi? Satoshi. Satoshi. 2018, you had Wesley Bryan in 2017, Brandon Grace in 2016, and Jim Furyk in 2015. So there you go. That's uh, your quick course breakdown. What do you got, DB? Any any thoughts on uh, how this course and how you see it playing this week? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Patrick. Um, I I do have some thoughts. First of all, I'll, I'll go. I'll work backwards. Just like last week, I agree with you. I think experience here or, or course history, if you will, let's use it for a couple reasons. Let's use it to nail down the types of players that traditionally have done well here, which we can. And you can definitely see a common theme. Although, as you mentioned, you, you don't have the strength of field here that you, that uh, in years past that you do now. So you got to take that into consideration. But I'm not, I'm not going to weight it as much this, this week. However, just like last week, it's a, it's a decent tiebreaker. Okay, like that's, that's what I think we were trying to communicate last week is I, I think it's a decent tiebreaker. If you've got a couple guys in a range that you're trying to work off of and, and they, they, you feel like they fit the bill, but one guy, you know, hadn't played here before and one guy's got two or three, you know, tournaments under his belt, maybe two of them are missed cuts, you know, and maybe one of them's a top 25, like, I would I would lean the guy that at least has has shown up here and you know likes it enough to try to put it on his schedule um, and uh, and, and you know just just give it a little extra nudge if it's a tiebreaker is what I'm saying. Um, so in terms of course history, that's kind of where I'm at. I think we probably agree there. Uh, I do think the main defense here, as you mentioned, is your is if it gets firm, which I think it will be, uh, and if the wind kicks up, which we all know. It's on the coast. It could change like that. So even though the weather right now doesn't look bad, you got to check it Wednesday. That's again why the nut hut's important, the chalk bomb's important, so we can have that la those last minute thoughts on weather come Wednesday night. Um, and and I think it's the gnarly Bermuda, you know, especially this uh, this week. If if a lot of the overseeds died off and you've got nothing but Bermuda chipping on that grainy Bermuda that they have there. I played Harbortown last year. 
Um, and I'm not a professional. I did play it from the tips, though, because Kisner bet me that I, I couldn't break 85, I think, from the tips, which I didn't. I think I shot like an 87, 88. Um, but uh, the, the gnarly Bermuda is real. So I actually have to disagree with you, Pat. I, you know, you said that you didn't think chipping and scrambling and around the green play mattered. I actually think it matters a ton. And I, I weighted it pretty heavily in my model because these are very small peat dye greens, um, you know, and I, you, they're going to be missed. And so I just think like bunker play, scrambling, being able to get up and down, um, similar to last week at Colonial is, is important. Now, you know, I feel like the greens at Harvest I just Town think that the shots that you have to hit off the green at Colonial require a lot more skill than around the greens here. From walking this course before, I haven't played it like you have. I've walked it before. Um, I just, I don't see like, like, yeah, you can get like some gnarly lies and things like that because of the Bermuda, but I just don't see as difficult of, of a shot as far as, you know, what you got to do from around these greens because there's not as much slope, which can cause, I mean, that, that can cause all kinds of problems when you got a lot, you're, you know, chipping up, you know, yeah. a 10 foot slope or something. So I there's just, not as much I mean, slope. Just, you're you're it, right. It's just preference. You're right. There's not, but you, but, but these greens are, I think these greens are probably smaller than, than the greens at colonial. So you're going to still miss them. You still got to be able to take a wedge and get it up there close. And, and again, with, yeah, the I think you got to be able to get it up and down. I, I agree. You got to be able to get it up and down if you miss a green, but I don't think it takes, you know, if you're looking at a stat like scrambling, that's a guy that's, you know, that's literally on all types of courses, he's a great scrambler. I think somebody who's not so great at scrambling can still get around this course if he's missing because he's not going to have the difficulty, you know, that you might see on like a, a, like colonial where it's much more difficult around the greens to scramble and it does take more expertise. So that's, that's really my thought, but I mean, it's, Look, it's we're kind of splitting can, hairs a little bit. Can here. we agree I, I that the point. most important thing here is your approach play, your iron play? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and definitely, you know, Harbor Town is one of those. So we didn't talk about this. Like, what do we think is going to happen with the distance thing, right? Because we saw, you know, we saw Colonial get bludgeoned to death by Bryson and and Gang. Um, I feel like based on when I played Harbor Town, I feel like based on watching Harbor Town through the years, because I love that golf course, I feel like it's harder to cut some corners out there because I remember a lot of land being, um, you know, native area almost, or, or, you know, pine straw or woods or, or very thick, like just thick brush or whatever. Like it, it looked like a colonial. There was just, you know, it was like, if you missed the if you missed the fairway, you were in the rough, and yeah, you might have had some tree trouble, but you can get to your ball, or you were like on a on the other side of a fence and you were OB. Whereas at at Harbor Town, if you miss the fairway, there's a little bit of rough, and then you're in the you're in the the trees, but the trees could mean like like brush, like where you can't even get a you can't even get to your ball yeah. or find it. I, I feel like we're I think Bryson, Bryson and the like are still going to be are, are going to be trying to go after this thing in a new way that we've not seen before. And we've even seen, you know, Davis Love the third who has won this thing like five times, I think. And in his day was the long, you know, one of the longer guys on tour. So length is still an advantage. But I'm just talking like, are we going to see somebody like Bryson attack this course in a way that we've never seen it attacked before? Um, 
it, you know, cutting corners. I don't, and, I don't know. I don't see it this week. There's not a whole – I don't think it's – it's a different course as far as that's concerned, like what Bryson was doing with with taking, taking on some of these dog legs and just not even, you know, forgetting that it was dog leg and going over the trees. I don't think – you just can't do that out here. Um, and there's a lot more houses on this course. Like, I mean, Sea Pines itself, where Harbortown yeah. is, is a, is a, you know, a residential community. So that yeah. makes a little bit of a difference too on what you have and what's out of bounds and things like that. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of, of trouble there. So we'll, I don't know. We'll see. It, it does feel like, like, like you could do it at Harbor Town, but it feels like you, you're at a greater risk at Harbor Town of having a ball be OB or completely yes. unplayable. Um, yeah. Not just like in the rough over by a cart path where you got to hit it under a tree to scoot it out into the fairway. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, yeah. Jason Day a, a couple years ago was quoted as saying that for him, he feels like there's, there's four to five drivers that he hits on, on this course um, when he plays it. Again, Jason Day's not – I mean, he's a long hitter. I mean, we, we all know Jason Day can hit it long. And a couple of years ago, he was he was longer. Uh, not what Bryson did yesterday or, or last week, but he's still pretty long. So I do think it's going to. Well, we're not I think see. I, I think I read too where I mean the average distance off the tee of this this course is like in the you know like two eighty two ninety range. So people are dialing it back. I mean, from you know from an average standpoint, you know they're not hitting it three forty like Bryson is. Now we may see somebody try to do that. They could completely and utterly fail if they do. But I mean, I think the play is, and like I mentioned in the course breakdown, is you want to have those good and proper angles into these greens to be able to approach them in the right way. And that means dialing it back and not having, you know, you know, I mean, you know, not not being able to really bomb and gouge this course. I just don't think yeah. that's going to happen. Being on the proper side of the fairway matters at at uh, Harbor Town much more than even Colonial. I mean, again, I'm not trying to say like I'm some PJ Tour pro, but I remember last year there's one hole in particular. I can't remember which one it is, but I remember my caddy telling me it's the one that Pete Dye let his wife design the green, and it's got the uh, it's got the uh, I don't know what you call it, like the wood around the green, you know, like the wood wall kind of that that surrounds the entire green. But that hole is a short par four. I hit my two iron left center of the fairway, in the fairway. He like hit it good in the fairway, completely blocked out from being able to get to the green. Completely couldn't get to the green unless I like hit a flop shot onto this ridiculously tough green. Like you have to be on the right side of that yeah. hole, right? You can't just be in the fairway. Another you have to reason be... experience comes into play here. It, it's very interesting. So. Harbor Town's a, an interesting beast. It, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to watch it go down. Pat, uh, you know what we didn't mention? For all those watching on YouTube live right now, we didn't mention the fact that a someone who at least has heard of the Tour Junkies finished second and third in the Millie Maker on DraftKings this past week. Mr. Toe um, Nose. Look at that. Rocking. We need to hear from this, this, this guy. Yeah, rocking, please. Rocking the avatar. Toe Nose rocking the Tour Junkies avatar uh, in the Millie Maker finishes second and third for $225,000. Holy moly. And, in fact, he was one point away from being tied for the Millie. He, he, almost, he almost took the whole thing down. But love to see the Tour Junkies avatar up there for that. That's fantastic. If you are toe nose, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Um, we we want to get you some free stuff uh, for rocking the avatar and finishing top five in a GPP like that. Of course, 
you should really be giving us some free stuff because you just won $225,000. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. You know what I mean? Neither here nor there. Um, Pat, before we get into the picks, all of our picks are brought to you by our friends at fantasynational.com slash TJ, the site. Now, hopefully you took advantage of the free look last week because Fantasy National gave you a free look at a lot of new stuff going on in the stat engine over there. It is amazing the things that our boy Moose has done with that website in the 90-day break. Holy crap, it's amazing. It literally gives you every stat you want to know about a golfer on the PGA Tour, uh, course history, uh, key stats, your recent form, uh, optimizers, lineup builders, uh, betting odds, all kind of stuff, all the tools you could ever want over on fantasynational.com slash TJ or just when you sign up and it, and it says, hey, how did you hear about us? Type in Tour Junkies and you get 20% off of any subscription that you choose, whether it's monthly, weekly, or annually. Go ahead and try it for a week or a month and just see what you like. I, I guarantee you're going to want to do it for a year. Okay, It's like the best value you could possibly think of. Um, so fantasynational.com slash TJ is where it's at. Now, I didn't mention my key stats before we get into the picks. My key stats, I'm looking at – I did tell you I was, I was weighing scrambling strokes gain around the green pretty heavily. Uh, I'm also looking at strokes gain approach, and I'm looking at putting on Bermuda. Again, I, this is grainy, no overseed, South Carolina, Bermuda, baby. That, that is like that – is, that is going to be a welcome site to many players. It's going to be an unwelcome site to others. And you got to know how to read it. It's grainy. It's, you got to know you, you or your caddy has to understand what that grain is doing to the golf ball. Um, so I do think that matters. And I'm going to look at that over the long term, um, as I always do with putting stats. All right, Pat, let's get into it. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, 9K and above a stacked field we have here. Boy, is this a, uh, boy, is this a stacked field. This is a, this is a lot of fun, man. Rory kicks yep. it off. Now – I just gotta say, I'm 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 taking control here off the bat, and okay. you know, I started last week, and we had a lot of similar plays. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I I, I need you to start this week, and then we'll. Well, see I started happens. last week, and and you had the similar plays. Hey, is that true? Okay, well then yeah. never mind. I'll start. So this you week. start. You start. <laughs> okay, I'll start this week. All right. Well, I'm gonna start with the guy who um, I think should have won the damn tournament last week, and that is Colin Morikawa at. 10,000 on DraftKings. This guy's an autoplay. He's, He's an autoplay every single week. He is absolutely incredible, and, and especially with an iron in his hand. It is beautiful to watch what he does with irons in his hands. If you have not watched this guy, just He's coming, do it. dude. I mean, he's here, I mean, but he's also – he's one of those that, like, who's here because people already know he's already becoming a name, 21 straight cuts already won on tour, competing. So he's here in a way, but I also feel like he's one of those that's coming. Like, this dude could be a number one player in the world. He could easily be the number one player in the world. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that he's, he's going to be a Tiger Woods because I don't – you know, you just can't say that. But the guy can hit an iron like Tiger Woods, and he is just special. And – I don't care if he missed some some putts near the end last week. If, as a matter of fact, if you don't want to play him because of that, then I'm happy about that. that. Nobody's making that choice, that. though. Nobody's making yeah. that choice. I mean, you just can't because regardless of ownership, and I think, you know, I'll play him in GPPs. 
I like him as a cash play. So he's my cash play this week too in this range. I think he's perfectly fine there. You mentioned this cut streak. I mean, you, you th- what what is it, 21, 22 straight cuts? But then that doesn't count the U.S. Open last year where he made the cut there as well where, where he was an amateur. And, you know, he was around like 14% owned in the millimaker last week, which isn't, isn't terrible, which is, you know, the interesting thing I look back at, the, the winning lineup, Berger was not in the winning lineup, but Morikawa was. But our boy, um, our boy Toe Nose had it. Our boy Toe Nose had Berger in both his lineups. Maybe he was a Chalk Bomb subscriber. Yeah, so that, that worked out well. But I love some Morikawa this week. Again, it's just another course that he is should be very comfortable on. Even though, I mean, the, the whole narrative, by the way, of course, history goes out the window with him. Because every course he goes on, it doesn't yeah, matter if cares. he's played it before. I mean, it doesn't matter. That, it, who cares? So I, mean, I love him. And what? Let's let's talk about this. At what? Because I, uh, I'll go ahead and, and break the news. I also have more cow written down, and I don't understand when I won't have more cow written down. Because at this point, the guy looks so impenetrable, and such a great play with upside with uh, a, a high floor. Um, He's at got what, what seems like a really, really good caddy, by the way. If you saw some of his caddy interactions, like yeah, watching that's the, important like, for which a young we get kid. A, which we get a lot of, especially with the no fans and thing, we can hear like more what's going on. Like he has a really good caddy that knows what he's talking about, which is good for him as well. So So it's like okay, okay, in DFS, at what ownership do you fade him? And like at this point, <laughs> dude, I mean at, at this point. Anything less than like twenty five percent, I think I'm just ready to go. Okay, I'll play him at fifty. I'll put him in fifty percent of my lineups and just. And roll the thing with is, it. though, is right right now, like this is a this is because it's such a crazy time because we have all these guys playing in these tournaments because we're coming back from the quarantine and everything. Like ownership's getting more spread out, so you're getting you're getting this guy probably lower owned than he should be. From a general standpoint, like yeah, and, and the I mean, public he was 14% still percent last. Like and a lot of the public playing, money was like, "Who's this kid?" You know, last yeah. week. Yeah, but if he was playing, you know, if we if nothing had changed and we had gone, you know, from you know every all the tournaments leading up to this one, and we, we had just you know, last week was a normal week, he probably would have been much higher owned than fourteen yeah. percent or whatever. So I don't know. You just you got to okay. play him, and I'm going to keep rolling with that. Next guy I'm going with is Hideki at 9,500. I love him here. I think this is a this is a good fit for him, especially from a stat standpoint. You look at strokes gain approach. He is third in the field. He's seventh in ball striking. He is fifth in par four scoring, which is another thing that I looked at. Just kind of a small percentage. Checks the box in greens and rec- regulation. I like Hideki, and he was having a you know a a pretty decent year. You know, leading up to. Um, you know, outside of – he finished like T56 at the Arnold Palmer. But before that, he had had two straight top ten finishes. I think Hideki is uh, – this is – I think this is just a good course for him to come in. And I feel like he chose it for a reason. You know, he skipped the first event. I could be wrong. There could be some other thing where he didn't play Colonial for some reason. But I love some Hideki this week. I like the price at 9500 So, I will play him in GPPs. And then I'm going back to the well and playing Justin Rose at 9200 I feel like I was kind of out there a little bit with him, you know, coming off, you know, everybody didn't know what clubs he was playing and all that kind of stuff. His price didn't change at all hardly this week. I mean, yeah. not at all. And, he, you know, he had the T3 finish last week. 
again, another guy that can play this course, I think, really well. He doesn't have, um, you know, looking at the history here, really maybe none. I don't know. I'm looking just five years. He hasn't played it in forever. But it's because of, you know, this This comes after the Masters typically. Um, but I think, I think this is a good spot for Rose again this week. So I like him at 9,200. I mentioned Morikawa as, cash, as my cash play. And then my fade is going to be Bryson. I am going to fade Bryson. I don't like the price at 10-7. I feel like this course is going to mess with him a little bit. Now, look, I, I do think it's a cerebral-type course where you got to yeah. think your way around it, and that's, that's like his profile. But this whole, like, swing speed thing and everything he's got going on and bombing it out there and, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that he's going to, like, come back to earth a little bit this week here at, at uh, the Heritage, and, and he's had some success. I think the first time he played here, he finished, like, in the top five. But I just – I don't like it. I think his ownership's going to be a little higher for sure than we saw last week. So, I will fade some Bryson DeChambeau at 10-7. There you go, DB. What do you got up here? Okay, this is interesting. So, um, I went with Morikawa in GPPs. We won't spend any more time on that. Uh, I went with Sung J.M., what more to say about Sung Jay? He's like, he's like now the, uh, he's like Morikawa light, you know, like nobody's, nobody's even talking about him anymore because Morikawa's doing his thing. But Sung Jay's, you know, a freaking stud, um, doing his thing still, but one of the best iron players as consistent as they come. Played great last week and nobody really talked about it. Uh, but I, I love the value there for Sung Jay. And I, I'm going to go with Webb. I'm going back to Webb. I, I think this is where I'm going to kick recency bias out. Listen, Webb had a great second round. He was three over in the first round. Came back and had a much better second round. Um, shot under par in the second round. I think it was shaking a little rust off, honestly. And and I think now he comes to a course that's even better built for him in uh, in Harbor Town. And I'm gonna I'm gonna play off hopefully the recency bias and a lot of people that are that that would be irritated with Webb being the highest owned player last week a lot, across a lot of contests. He, his best putting surface over the last hundred rounds is Bermuda. Uh, he scrambles well on Bermuda. In fact, he's eighth in this field in scrambling uh, on Bermuda courses or P and Pete Dye courses. He plays RBC Heritage almost every year, including the last three years with a T16, T5, T11. A lot of experience here. $9,000 is stupid cheap. I think Webb is, uh, is a play I want to hop back on while I think the ownership could be a little suppressed in DFS. Um, but, uh, and, and I also like him strong enough that I'm going to play him in cash. So Webb is a cash play for me. Love the value I'll, at nine thousand. Let me let me let me add to that. By the way, just I I think too you're getting a little bit of a good discount too from a gambling standpoint on him. He's right at about thirty to one. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good play for Webb this week if you're if you're just throwing him out um, from a gambling standpoint to win. Good call. Um, now you know I, this is not very. Uh, I'm not in my normal routine here, so I wasn't able to use some of the technology I normally use. So I had to write tonight. But in the fade column, this is what my fade column says. Let's see if you can see it. You see that? It looks like you said not Bryson. Yeah, yeah. It says fade not Bryson. Uh, honestly, in this range, man, I in the 9K and above, there's really not anybody I just want to take a firm stand on. And I'm not going to fade Bryson again. Like, I just – I can't do it, man. And I, I do think that, damn, like it just – had you had you hit me up two weeks ago and said, hey, 
would you rather fade Bryson at Colonial or Hilton Head? And I, I'd have said, okay, Harbortown. I'd, I'd rather fade him at Harbortown. Yeah. But, man, dude, I, I just – I don't know. I can't pull the trigger on fading anybody here. Now, I will say this. I, I took a long, hard look at Hideki for the fade because Hideki is a horrible putter everywhere, but he's worse than horrible on Bermuda. Long-term, short-term, doesn't matter. Um, and my only fear with him is we didn't get to see him last week potentially knock off some tournament rust. Now, I have no doubt Hideki's been working. I'm not saying he hasn't been working. He hasn't been doing his thing, putting in the time. Sure he has. But, you know, you got small greens here. The thing that Hideki does best is, is iron play, right, which is great for this. We, we, we both agree that the, the most important factor to Harbor Town is solid iron play and approach play. So I feel like Hideki is going to be a major boomer bust here because he's going to boom if he hits the greens because these greens are so small. His likelihood of three putting is going to be very low on the, on these small greens versus your average PGA tour size green. His likelihood of three putting is going to be very low if he hits the greens. If he doesn't hit the greens, I think he trunk slams. I think he trunk slams. If he's not hitting, if he's not hitting 65%, 60% of his greens in regulation on Thursday and Friday, I think he's going home Friday. I, I, don't, I don't see him being able to get up and down and, and putting the way that he needs to putt to keep it going. So if I were going to make an argument, I think that's, that's the only one I could make. But I honestly just love this range. I, I, I mean, this whole crowd is very good. I also love the 8K range. Um, so let's get down into the 8K range category. Uh, I'll start there. I'm going to go – Man, there's so many names here. So from a all right, from a DFS perspective, I'm going to go back to similar to Webb, except I didn't really play any Webb. I didn't have Webb last week, but I did have this guy, and he ruined a lot of DFS lineups for me. And that is Matt Kuchar, uh, who just freaking killed me. He Kuchar missed the cut on the final hole, uh, on the 36th hole. He was he he was three under. He was. He was a shot clear. He could have bogeyed. He could have bogeyed and gotten into the weekend. He, he was. He was. Uh, he drove it in the fairway bunker on the on his final hole. I think it was the ninth hole. His final hole on Friday, 145 yards out to a back pin location. Water all in the front. You hit the freaking shot 150 yards. You you make sure you hit that ball 150 yards. Worst case scenario, you blow it by and you go. You, you get up and down. He hits it like 140. Spins it back off the green. Can't get up and down, double bogey, finishes one under, misses a cut by a shot, and tanks so many of my lineups. Um, however, incredible record here. Incredible record and experience at Harbortown. Okay. His best putting surface kind of waffles between Bermuda and Poa, but Bermuda and Poa are definitely the top two. Great scrambler, perfect course fit here. I'm going to go back off the recency bias, try not to be recency biased myself, and get back on the Kuchar train at $8,300. That's a guy who has win equity at this golf course. Okay, he finished runner-up last week or last year to CT Pan here. Um, he, he can win this golf tournament at $8,300. So from a DFS ownership leverage perspective, I, I like Kuchar here. But I'm going to go back to the well on a guy that I talked about last week, and I had him in a lot of lineups last week, and he did fantastic, and that is Abraham Answer. Uh, who just played wonderfully last week on his way to a T14. Um, kind of stalled a little bit on Sunday and, and could have been better. Um, but Abe is an accurate player, putts well on Bermuda, 
good scrambler, played very solid last week. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Abraham Answer. He is 70-1 to 1 on the old betting card as well. Uh, and I'm going to roll with him in cash. I, I think Answer is a very safe bet in cash. You save some money at 8000 with him. And, uh, and I'm going to roll with that. Other names in here that I think from a betting standpoint are interesting to look at. Brooks at 45-1. to 1 pops for me um 45 to 1 for brooks and then patrick reed at 30 to 1 is an interesting name reed was in contention on on the weekend uh just kind of didn't really get it get it cooking but those are some interesting sports book numbers to look at in terms of betting uh and then for my fades i'm gonna go with terrell hatton this is one of those ranges again where i kind of like almost everybody in the 8k like almost everyone in the 8k and above range I'm a I I'm not going to be like super passionate about. I think there's a few names in here that are overvalued. Um, like I think Daniel Berger at 8,900 is getting a major bump here in in uh, in price and the recency bias. So you could make a, a point there to fade him. But I'm just going to go with Terrell Hatton. First first time seeing him from across the pond coming over. Now he did, he's playing great before the break. You know, so the break was probably not a welcome sight for Terrell Hatton. Uh, as, as good as he was playing, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and 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 bump Terrell Hatton out of there at eight thousand. So that's that's me. Okay, I don't I don't mind that at all. Um, all right, so for me, I'm gonna go with two guys. You actually just uh, you know a couple of guys you just mentioned as far as bets are concerned. I like some Patrick Reed here at 8,800, 30 to one. That's a good bet. I think that's a, a you know again. It's a, this is a, a, a course that he should be able to play pretty well on. Um, obviously had a great week last week. Um, you know, you look at you look at the stats here. I mean, he's checking the box and ball striking. He's, you know, third in the field in par four scoring. This is a guy that just – I mean, week in and week out, Patrick Reed has been playing great this year. Other, You know, obviously we're coming off this huge break, but he came back and still played good again last week, finishing strong. So I like some Patrick Reed at 8,800. And, you know, the other guy that I like is DJ at 45 to 1. He's 45 to 1, 8,500 on DraftKings. I think he's a good play. I mean, look, he, he kind of burned a lot of people last week. I understand that. But he's got some, he's got yeah. some experience out, out here on this course. Um, you know, another guy that, you know, with a wedge in his hand is usually pretty good, which I think he'll have a lot of. Um, I think his ownership is going to be super low. People are, you know, really wasn't that that high owned last week. He was, um, where was he last week? He was like around 11% last week. Yeah. And on he's, average. He's 11.2%. He's going to be a little bit less this week. Bermuda, he puts fairly well on. I mean, Poe is really his best surface, but uh, he is a good putter on Bermuda. South Carolina guy you know, growing up. So I think DJ at 8,500 is really good. And it's, it's interesting at, with him at that price. I think I'd like to see where it looks later in the week. Like a lot of people might just gravitate towards DJ because amazing. of that price yeah. being. The, the name cachet with him and Brooks at 86 and 8,500 is pretty remarkable to, to see those guys at that price. I mean, to, to to have Jordan priced above them, to have, you know, if had I told you a month ago, like Jordan, Daniel Berger would both be more expensive than both of those guys. Like that's, yeah. 
but still, the, I mean, I know he burned yeah. a lot. Of I don't hate last it last week. Last week, though, he did. He just didn't do anything well. I mean, he hit the ball okay off the just, tee. His iron sucked. His wedges sucked. His putter sucked. But again, I understand with the price, the win, the win equity. Um, well, and we possible. just we we just don't know. I mean, yeah, he yeah. Knows from last, but every, like he could easily improve. It's just like Webb or anybody we're talking about. Like you could easily improve off everything you were doing last week. So I like DJ. I'm with you on Abraham answer I had him as my cash play so I'm, I'm, I'll you know just leave that as it is I think answer is a great play here at 8,000 I don't mind your fade of Hatton either um, for me my fade was going to be Ricky Fowler at 8,100 now look hmm. I don't I don't mind Ricky this week but I still feel like he just I mean this is probably where recency bias just hurts you a little bit because I just feel like He's still struggling with his swing. And I just – I don't see him doing much in this tournament. Like, he may make the cut and may, you know, bring some value at 8,100 because, I mean, he's cheap. I mean, for, for him, yeah, for Ricky cheap. Fowler. Yeah. Um, but I just don't – I don't see him doing much at all. I just – I just I'm, I'm worried about where he is as far as his game's concerned. And so, I'm, I'm just off, Ricky. And – yeah. It's, it's really like I, I'm with you though. It's really hard to fade a lot of guys in this 8K range, but I'm going to pinpoint Ricky here as my guy. You seem right, to have some thoughts on that. I I was going to say like it is it is an attractive price. I will say this: I saw um, on Twitter today some people touting him at 60 to one, and I love that number. I get it. I don't think he's anywhere close to winning right now. I, I don't think don't, he's going to win. I just I don't. Feel like there's for no a player way. like him. You you ha, he has to be trending a certain direction to win. And in the midst of a swing change, to to be playing like he is, and then be able to get down into contention on a Sunday and trust it, and then finish it, I think is a tough look for him. Um, so from a DFS standpoint, if you want to play him, I can argue with you. Uh, but in terms of betting him outright, I don't, I don't love where he looks in terms of win equity outright. Now, maybe if you can, you know, if you're somewhere where you can get an each way number, maybe, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, talk to me about the seven K. All right. Seven K range. I'm going to start with a guy who was actually in the Millie maker lineup, the winner. And that is Jason Kokrak at 7,900. Somebody like asked me about week. him in the nut hut. And I was like, I just can't. Yeah, and then he did that. Hey, but you know what? Speaking of the Millie Maker, we've talked about golf being back. We're all excited. We got another full weekend of golf ahead of us. So let's talk about DraftKings. That's what we're doing. Yeah, so we got to talk about DraftKings. And to add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sport, is putting you in the center of the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit, DB. You know mm. what gives me a lot of fear? What? Doing ad reads like I'm doing right now. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. DraftKings is easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday. It's very easy, very easy from what, what we're saying here. Uh, then you just sit back and you follow the action and see what happens. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green, okay? Green means money, rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, more, more stuff. 
So, in a time of limited sports, this is your chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. So, here's what I want you to do, DB, and all you listeners out there. Is this there. what they call a call to action? This is what we call a call to action. You need oh, to download the DraftKings app right now. Use the code Tour Junkies to sign up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. That's code Tour Junkies, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes on DraftKings. Minimum five dollars required, by the way. Eligibility? Am I supposed to read that part? Is yeah, that yeah. Supposed to be in yeah. Red? No, yeah, go ahead. minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. DB, there you go. Let's get back to Jason Kokrak, who was in the Millie Maker lineup. I like him this week a lot. He is a fantastic play. I'm not letting you give any thoughts on the read. So also just, very skinny. Jason Kokrak, we got skinny skinny uh, Coke Yeah, skinny right Coke, like, like Gary Woodland last Skinny week. Coke, yeah. Yeah, like 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 me, you, Gary Woodland, and uh, Jason Kokrak. We've lost the most weight of anyone relevant of, in the PJ Tour business. thinning down, but yeah. So you know, you had old Kokrak finishing T third last week. But look, I mean, he's he's been doing a lot of things well. This guy's like literally to me become in that like top three guys that don't win enough on tour that should should win. The, the just don't. Three? Oof, we can debate that later, but yeah, okay. So I, I just, I just, I'm a big fan of some some Jason Kokrak this week. By the way, checks the box and ball striking, also greens and regulations. So I like him there. Ian Poulter at 7600. We saw him, uh, you know, he talked him up in the just, nut hut a lot on Wednesday night. A lot, and he was one of your late plays last week. You and yep. I were kind of texting back and forth a little bit. I like some Ian Poulter. I think this is a good course fit for him. Checks the box and strokes gain approach. Also, par four scoring. This is a you know this is a great course for him. So I do like him. And Bermuda is his best surface as well, as far as putting on. So I will go with some Ian Poulter as a GPP play. And here's where I'm going to shock you a little bit because this guy has just been solid week in and week out this year, and just just never left off and played well last week. And that's Bubba Watson. It's 7400 now. You would think Bubba, a course for him is going to be where you can bomb and gouge it and all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Bubba's been putting extremely well. His ball striking is fantastic. He's 33rd in the field in ball striking, 14th in par four scoring. I think Bubba is a great pick this week. And the only reason we, I don't think we've ever seen him really here play all that much is because when he won the Masters back in, what was it, 2012 was his first, you know, he's not playing in this course. He's not playing this tournament after the Masters. This is not happening. So I like some Bubba. He was extremely low-owned last week and really came through for you if you if you took a, a chance on him. So I like him as well. Um, cash play for me is going to be Joel Damon. I don't, you know, we've always said, or you say that Joel Damon doesn't play well coming off of a break. Well, he played well last week, and he's got another course that's, you know, fantastic for him. I mean, he you look at the stats, I mean, literally across the board, 11th in approach, 8th in ball striking, 1st in par 4 scoring, 22nd in driving accuracy. I mean, Joel Damon does everything right to be able to play well on this course. So I like him at 7,500 in cash. And he's making cuts. I mean, he's been, he's been doing it all year long. My fate is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick. I don't. I'm starting like I used to kind of like some. Yeah, I used to love him. 
But now it's just like, I don't get the love for him. And we get questions like in the Nut Hut all the time about Matthew Fitzpatrick. And I just don't ever feel like he comes through and he's at the top of this price range in the 7K area. I mean, he just does check a few boxes here. And I know he's done, you know, he's done okay on this course. But I just, I feel like he was like, and he was like 11 or 12% owned in a lot of GPPs last week. Way too high, I think, for him. So I'm going to fade some some old Matthew Fitzpatrick at 7,900. Real quick, will you recap for me? So you're fading Fitzy. Your cash is uh, is Damon. Joel. You went with GPPs. You went Kokrak and who? I checked Holter out. and Bubba. Hol- Bubba. Okay. Um, okay, a lot of names in here. Like like a lot of names in here. Again, I feel like the the biggest – value in the in the nut hut is the and the chalk bomb is your 7k 6k guys like this is where really the real is. value kicks right. in because a lot of things evolve come wednesday night in terms of ownership for dfs betting lines change matchups all this kind of stuff uh so there's a lot of names here i'm going to try to narrow it down i think the safest bet and i would play him in in cash or gpps is kisner who's also 55 to 1 Great record at Harbor Town. Loves Harbor Town. Perfect spot for Harbor Town. Very familiar putting and shipping on uh, Bermuda Greens. Played well last week. I was grateful to see him, or, or you know, happy to see him play well last week at Colonial. He talked about how well he was playing. Uh, I, I like the Damon play. I'll go with JT Poston, uh, who also played very well, and we called him last week as well. Playing awesome. He's seventy to one on DraftKings Sportsbook, and I think he's a great price in terms of DFS too. Don't really care if he's chalk or not. Um, I think he will be. I think him and Damon will both, and Kiz will probably be fairly uh, chalky now to think about it. Um, but I, I, I don't care. I, I really like I really like those guys. Uh, I'm going to jump on the Harris English train because I think everyone had I, – I beat that drum all week last week. I said, don't play Harris English. Don't play Harris English. Don't play Harris English. You don't play Harris English if he's chalk. That is an automatic fade. I was in the chalk bomb Wednesday night. I had to tell people over and over again. Don't play chalky Harris English. You don't play chalky middle-of-the-road players. You just don't. Now, I'm counting on him taking a severe drop, okay? And I don't think he's that far off, and I think he's a decent player. I think he has top 20, top 15 upside here. Uh, It's a great course for him. Now, however, if he does, if, if people are like, oh, yeah, still get back on, you know, people are all thinking what I'm thinking, and he ends up being relatively higher on like 12 15 percent Harris English I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of 12 15 percent Harris English I need single digit Harris English on this golf course if he's not that then I'll pivot um and then there's a bunch of other names in here that I like but that's what I'll do uh Kiz is my cash lock I think between Kiz Answer and Webb being cornerstones of a cash uh a cash building strategy and you fill in the gaps from there and be have a balanced lineup that's going to get you six of six through the cut I think that's what you need and then my fade is I hate to say this let me let me pull it up because I'm going to need to have I'm going to need to have some science to back this up you know what I mean Uh, my fade is going to be a guy that I love and everybody loves and but I think going right back to recency bias we have to be aware that recency bias is real and that's Harold Varner you know, he got a ton of TV time last week. He got a ton of attention last week. He played great last week. I understand. I know he's been working on his putting. Uh, apparently got a putting lesson from Brad Faxon, which is basically like 
God giving you like pointing his finger down and like giving you the, the, the touch that you need. Um, but, but I just, recency bias is so real and he was so, he was everywhere last week. His worst putting surface in his career has been Bermuda, uh, hands down. Uh, if you look over the last hundred rounds, so I, I, I did something on fantasy national. I haven't even mentioned yet. I took, uh, Pete Dye courses. I took courses that had uh, heavy Bermuda, uh, presence, um, through our, I looked over at data golf and found the most comparable courses to Harbor town. And I compile all of them and then looked over the last 24 rounds at who's done well. Well, Harold Varner, the third is in the bottom 10% of this field in around the green and putting and scrambling on courses that kind of fit this bill. Uh, so I just, I think it's time to, I think you hop off just this week and we see what happens. I think that's, I think that's what we got to do. So there you go. That's a seven K range, Pat. Let's hit the six K range real quick. Who do you like in the six K and let's button this bad boy up. All right. Well, a couple of guys I'll start off with, uh, right up near the top. And this is a guy that really found it at the end of last week uh, at Colonial. And that's Chesson Hadley at 6,900. He did find it. He found Just something. Just had a super low round, uh, I guess it was Sunday, um, and just literally just, I mean, came, or was that Saturday? I can't remember. Anyway, just really Saturday. jumped in at the, uh, at the end there, you know, finished, um, you know, in the top 25, I like some Hadley this week. He's finished in the top 10 on this course before. Now he's missed a cut several times too, but he does have a, a, a he was seventh uh, two years ago. He's checking the boxes as well as far as the stats are concerned. He's 20th in, in the field in strokes gained approach, 24th in ball striking. He's 36 in fairways gained, and he is also um, in the top 30 in the field in greens and regulation. So I think Chesson Hadley has a chance to, to have a really good week. I liked playing guys that seemed to just find something in the, in the tournament before like he did, where he just went super low. So I like Chesson Hadley. I will play him as well. And then I'm going to drop down to a guy that you talked about last week has a zero experience on this course in tournament play. But I'm going to guarantee you he's played this course plenty of times outside of tournament play, and that is Matthew Naismith at oh, 6,600. Love me some South Matt South Carolina guy, you know, Gamecock. He, look, this is a course for him. He is 10th in the field in strokes gain approach, 22nd in ball striking, 26th in par four scoring, you know, fits, checks the box in greens and regulation. I think even more so than last week, this course is better for Naismith, and he's still – I mean, it wasn't like it, you know, last week he, it was a good call. So, I mean, I, I'm, I am, I mean, he, he finished 49th, but still, uh, for a guy at 6,600, you're going to get yeah. better than that from Naismith this week. So, I well, like he had two, also. he had two Eagles. He had two Eagles last week. Um, my best lineup had Naismith in it, and he had two Eagles, which two Eagles is really hard to come by last week. The guy can score. I love the Naismith yeah, call. He totally can on board definitely score, so I am all about him. So, there you go. That's two guys real quick. And um, I may have a few bonus plays, but I think I'm going to save those for when I get that inevitable question in the nut hut. Who are your favorite guys under 7K uh, yeah. on Wednesday night? Uh, well, total agreement there with Naismith. Had him written down. I'm going to go – you got to go back to Harry Higgs. Uh, the guy can go super low. He just needs to put four together. If he can just put four together, he could he can contend here to win. Uh, we interviewed him over the break. There is no doubt in my mind he's going to be a winner on the PJ Tour very soon. 
uh, got the right head on his shoulders, right attitude, right way to approach the game, and he's got all the the, the talent. Uh, so I love Harry Higgs. Uh, Naismith, Bronson Burgoon, I came on to him late last week. He's impressed me a little bit. Uh, I think Bronson is a good value down there in the 6K range. So I like those three. Um, and then I just got to mention this because he's a Georgia boy. I just got to mention this. There's, there's a Georgia Bulldog in the field, baby. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think the kid could have a shot, okay, a small shot at like a top. It, it just wouldn't surprise me if he's top 20, okay. Um, and that's, uh, that's Ralston. That's your boy Ralston. Is it Spencer? What's his first name? Yeah, Spencer Ralston. Yeah, Spencer Ralston. He's a uh, player, 6, man. 6,000. He is a player. Yeah. The dude is a player. The University of Georgia puts off, puts out some amazing golfers. Okay, you have to be something special to play at the University of Georgia, and then to compete and play at the level he's played. I mean, look at what Morikawa's done coming out of Cal. Like these college kids are freaking ready. When they get a shot, they bring it. They're, they're ready to bring it. He's going to be comfortable here in the South on Bermuda, um, and he's got him a little shot to come out and do something. So a top twenty. Top 25 wouldn't surprise me. So if you're playing in a in a you know a, a massive GPP with a ton of entries and you want to throw a couple little sprinkles on Spencer Ralston at 6K, the minimum on DK, then uh, and if it pays off, come thank me later. You know what I mean? Thank us later. All right, Pat. That's the picks. Let's get to the chunk and run tonight, buddy. We got a fun chunk and run tonight. Had a listener question submitted the chunk and run a long time ago yes you can still do that if you're listeners you can submit us chunk and run questions the chunk and run if you're new to this the first question the chunk is asking us any question possible about golf it could be about real golf it could be about dfs it could be about betting it could be about anything golf related the run portion is anything else literally any other question that you want to ask us and we will answer it pat i will start with you the question tonight comes from kyle on twitter uh, i can't i can't remember his last name um, but he says, if you could design a golf course that would, that would have an iconic element that would really make it stand out, what would that iconic element be? And what would you name the golf course? Okay. So I may have gotten a little too detailed into this because I, I really like this question. So there's a Good, lot of I did different, not. there's a lot of moving parts to this. But first off, I'm staying on brand with this, and I'm also staying on brand with the run as well. So chunk and run, a lot of on-brand path. First off, this course is going to be short, okay? We're not going longer than 6,800 yards. All right, we're not going longer than 6,800 yards. Yeah, That's just not happening. But let's get right into the iconic element, and that's going to be that these greens are going to be pretty large, but they're going to have multiple pins. There's going to be like three pins on these greens, and what you're going to do is, so like if you're like, you're in the fairway and you hit, you hit your iron shot in the air, you're going to call which pin you're going for. Okay. So that's the iconic like element that. of it because like you, like here's like, so like we're on hole two, hitting into the green, boom, shot fired, pin two, but you got to call it in the air. But here's the, yeah, yeah. here's the thing that's, here's the thing that's tricky. There's going to be a lot of slope on these greens that kind of goes away from the pins that could change a lot. So it's not just because your ball's heading towards that pin and you call it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be close because there's yeah. going to be a lot of slope on these greens. So there's got to be a little challenge to it as well. So I think that that's important. <coughs> Excuse me. So, 
anyway, all right. Um, so that's really kind of the iconic element here, but here, the, the, there's going to also be um, a hole out here that looks kind of like a wishbone. And like, so like the green okay, is going to kind of look it. like a, yeah, like a wishbone. And so they're like, you see like, there's going to be like a pen here and then a pen up top and stuff like that. But I mean, it's going to be, you know, not totally like, but so the name of this course Sounds is like the wishbone. Like else. The oh, wishbone. the wishbone is the name of this course. I like, I like courses that have just like a, a like not golf club in their name, like the Broadmoor, Valley Bunyan. Muir, Muirfield stuff Dang. like that. So we're just going. We're going to call this the wishbone. And another part of this course is if you arrive, like anything you ask for can happen. Like if you want Bloody Mary on the tee, that better that's be your a thing wish. Your course, yeah, yeah. The Bloody Mary's going to be waiting for you on the tee. If you want a cigar on hole eight, then somebody's going to be waiting to give you a cigar on hole eight. And then if you want some some rosé, a on weed 18th, brownie. Yeah, or something like it doesn't matter. You your wish is our command at the wishbone. We're gonna make it happen. So that that's my course, and I, I believe it. it's it's iconic. So there you go, dude. That's very good. That's way better than mine. The wishbone is nice. However, I will say we both had we both had bone in our uh, which is funny because we didn't talk about this. We both had bone in our course titles. All right. So mine is just more a little more basic. It's just called Bone Valley. Mm. I'm like you. I kind of like not having like golf club, golf, you know, it's just Bone Valley. I love Sage Valley, of course, right around the street from here. Love Sage Valley. L love the feel. Love how that rolls off the tongue. You know what I mean? Um, so I like, I like Bone Valley. I, I like that. I like a lot of, uh, so my course is going to feature, so my course is going to be a little longer, but not super long. It's going to be like seven seventy one, like 7,100 yards, but it's a par 72. So, you know, you got that, you got plenty of par fives because, you know, I love some par fives. I want some approachable par fives. Um, there is a zero water on my golf course. The only water on my golf course is in water bottles, in ice buckets, uh, you know, every other tee box. That is the only That's water. A good call for you. Good the call for only you. water on my golf course is there. There is no other water. There's not a puddle. There's not a. Uh, there's not a. There's not a little river, a little creek for aesthetics. No, we're not even doing that. We're not even. Doing, we'll do other things for aesthetics, but not even that. No lagoons. Uh, no lagoons. No lagoons. Like zero lagoons. Um, there's none of that. If you if somebody spits too too if they if they have a lot of saliva and spit, I will kick them off the golf course. There can be no standing water anywhere on my course. Okay, uh, it's a valley course, so there's a lot of undulation, a lot of. Uh, a lot of downhill, you know, tee shots that just run forever. Uh, a lot of uphill approach shots. A lot, of, a lot of that. You know, this is not a course you're going to want to walk. You're going to want to get in a golf cart that's going to be equipped with Bluetooth. You can bang out that speaker in Bone Valley. Uh, we're going to have cart girls everywhere. Um, it's going to be great. Now, in terms of an iconic element, other than your lack of water and things, a lot of undulation, I want one hole. Okay, my signature. I kind of thought about signature holes. Mm -hmm. this hole is going to be the ultimate decision hole. Okay. This is a 290 yard par four. Okay. However, it is a 280, 285 carry to the very front edge of the green. You've got some width. You got like maybe 30 yards, 35 yards of width and about 40, 50 yards of depth. If you can carry it further than that. Okay. And that's going to be your green and, and, and some bunker complex. 
but surrounding that is going to be nothing but waste area, nasty bunker, nothing but nasty, nasty bunker, except for one big patch of grass about 180 yards off the tee. Big old, big old patch of grass that basically says, hey, you can hit a six iron to, to this patch of grass and have wedge in. Or you can hit driver and go for the green, but if you miss it, you're in, you're, you're in like waste area with like, like bottle caps and, and shards of glass in it. You know what I mean? Like severe, some severe stuff that you wouldn't want to go in barefoot. So that would be my signature hole, and that hole would be number eight because that's my favorite number. Number eight is my favorite number, so that would be number eight. That would, that would be the one that really makes you think, do I want a pound driver here and carry it over that, or do I want to just just hit the little 180-yard shot, then a 90-yard, you know, 80, you know, 100-yard bunker shot and be, or 100-yard wedge shot and be done. So that's Bone Valley. I like that. I like Bone Valley. I want to play Bone Valley. I want to play uh, want... the wishbone. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> Run question for tonight. If you could, in the same vein, design your own alcoholic beverage, what would the ingredients be? What would make it stand out? What would you name it? And if you had to name it after a PGA Tour player, who would you name it after? You want me to start or you want to start this one? Yeah, you start this one. This is pretty easy for me, boys and girls. Uh, I, I'm going with uh, really three ingredients. Uh, however, two are interchangeable. The first ingredient you must have a very strong bourbon okay uh very strong bourbon very 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 strong you pick the bourbon just got to be bourbon okay this is a shot by the way mine is a shot it's not a it's not a, a cocktail it's a shot so uh it's two parts bourbon one part second ingredient is interchangeable it has to be a very nasty beer found only or malt beverage found only in a gas station colt 45 uh, old English. Uh, what are some others, Pat? Uh, any any of those? Cold forty five and old English yeah. really come to mind. That's it's probably like a, the only two that yeah yeah. It's got to be nasty. It's got to come in a forty ounce. It's got to be gross. You got to walk out of the gas station with a paperback. So two parts bourbon, one parts the cold forty five or old English or comparable. Pour that in there, and then finally this last piece is also interchangeable with one of two options, either a little sprinkle of nerds candy or pop rocks a little sprinkle of pop rocks this is a college town drink right this is like this is one of those weird quirky drinks that nobody else has that the bar on this street is famous for and and and, and nobody knows the name of it or can remember what's in it but all they know is it's the one with the pop rocks in it or the one with the nerds in it and the bartender goes okay i got you now it's named after bryson DeChambeau. It's called the strong and shitty because it's the strong in the bourbon and it's the shitty in the cold 45 or malt liquor or old English, whatever you have. And then the, the candy piece is a play on, on Bryson's uh, persona pop rocks because pop rocks are attention seeking. They pop all the time. They're always they're freaking just chattering all the time. You pour that in the drink. They start and they just, they want attention. Look at me. Look at me. Don't think about the bourbon. Don't think about the cold 45. Look at me. Look at me. Or you could go with nerds and the, the mad scientist. I'm smarter than everybody. I'm figuring everything out. I'm a nerd. You pour that in there and you shoot that bad boy. And then you go, and that's it. So mm. the strong and shitty mm. by DB. Wow. I feel like you did, you, you did a little better as far as a, a player comparison here. Because for me, I, I went with a, a guy that I just think is an electric personality. 
and that is Kiradek Afibarn Rat. I just think this the the guy Love is just head. incredible. Okay, he's he's electric. So you know what? This drink is called the electric. I'm I'm by the way, I mentioned earlier I'm staying on brand. This is called the electric bone stick. Okay, the electric bone stick. And so what we got those. here, and this is this is actually a, <laughs> as a as this is actually a, a drink that you could you you would really want to drink other than yours, which I don't know if anybody on on planet earth you don't want to drink mine drink uh and this is actually one that i like um but i never had a name for it so i just i so i drink this drink and i just made it okay. up i made a name for it so i'm going to now call it the electric boom stick i did add a little bit something special at the end though but we're going to have a little bit of tito's we're going to have a little bit of club okay and then we have a lime wedge just hanging off the side of the glass and we're going to use some roses lime juice I don't know if you you've ever had stuff. roses. Like yeah, you love that roses stuff. Roses is yeah. just great stuff. If, if you guys sour. ever go to a restaurant or a bar with Pat and his privileged shelf goes to order a drink, he'll go, do you, uh, do, you have, do, you have any, do you have any roses lime juice? And the server mm. will go, yeah, 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 we got that. No, 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 no. Is it, is it roses lime juice? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you always get that. Yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. So we're going to put that in there. And then the kicker, we're going to go with a little one of those like like Halloween – green glow sticks we're gonna throw a green glow stick in there you know you break it apart break it apart and throw it in there now we're making sure it's sanitary like we don't want like chemicals getting out but we're gonna take that green glow stick we're gonna throw it in there so that's that's where you get the electric bone stick okay right there it's very, it's very exciting and it's a good drink and you can you can take the bone stick and if you like get drunk on the way home like you can use it as, like a guiding light to get you get yourself home <laughs> So the electric bone stick, and it's an honor of our, two purposes. Love that. Yeah, in honor of so you you can you can drink it and then you got a light. So in honor of Kiradek Afapanrak, because I feel like he would like that drink. So there you go. I love that drink. That's good. That's that's it. I love it, man. That's a great show. Great time tonight. Best of luck to all those watching uh, or or playing. Uh, you know RBC Heritage this week. We're here for it. We're about to head over and do some TJ After Dark over on the DraftKings channel. That should be a good time. Going to get some refills here. And, uh, yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Tour Junkies. May your screens be green. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for supporting all we do. We appreciate you guys. See ya. Oh.